0: screen podcast i am one of your co-hosts vanessa guerrero i forgot to say my own last name you
1: forgot to say your own first name bud <laughs> i'm your other co-host elijah taylor i thought you were gonna do a bit and then i wasn't sure if you were leaving space for me to do a bit uh but i, I had no bits i'm lined not sure up. what just happened short-circuited we're <laughs> off producing two vibe checks a week is uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've been you've been producing, you've been working hard, you've been doing a lot of uh doing a lot of cool big uh G four stuff, things. a lot of big baby things. Uh it's Hollywood baby And now
0: my brain just does the window shutdown noise like all the time.
1: Yeah, I think uh I think that's fair. I think that uh when when you work a job that I assume is as demanding as yours, uh the moment that you clock out, uh it's totally fair if your brain just completely stops functioning and <laughs> you're just kind of
0: it also doesn't help that I just ate, like, a lot of McDonald's. I mean, not McDonald's. Jack in the Box. Jesus Christ. Window shut down noise. Boop, you, boop, boop, boop,
1: boop. Did you consume any other substances in addition to Jack in the Box?
0: Yeah, but salt <laughs> has more an effect on me than marijuana does now.
1: I don't think that's true.
0: <laughs> so, if you're Depends listening to this the for the first is. time, we are not a podcast in which one of the hosts is a little bit more fucked up than she should be for hosting something. Oh, my God. I mean, a cat is getting are, tangled in cables right now. Just giving her a scoop. Tell them what the podcast is about. I, w- I wasn't. <laughs> it's because the way I was picking up the cat looked precarious and she got tangled in the ca- cables again. God yeah, damn it. Just
1: leave her there. She'll be We're fine. We're a podcast that talks about genre
0: movies, specifically two of the genres that we feel like has a tendency to be more discredited, which is horror and martial arts. They are two great tastes that taste great together. And chances are, if you like one, you're going to like the other one. They are both corn syrup soaked genres. um And everything from the. A twenty fours to your B movies is what suits our flavor.
1: I I feel like we gotta I mean I've I've Goodness heard these cables,
0: God. Talk
1: <laughs> You good?
0: <laughs> yes. I was okay. talking to the cat. You can finish <laughs> the thought. Uh
1: I don't recall what the thought was, but uh that is the premise of our podcast. Uh hell yeah. What a, w- we 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 have uh, some comments from listeners. Uh, do we have any other uh, sort of housekeeping? Any anything we've been uh, watching or doing lately? Oh, you've been playing Elden Ring. That's that's been pretty cool.
0: That's probably why I've been running so aggressive lately. Just
1: been just been in a heightened state because of Elden Ring. You're just slightly escalated at all times. <gasps>
0: I like it so much and I'm so frustrated by it. Like obviously anything from software has a tendency to be like willfully obtuse in ways where it's like, just call it, just call it a checkpoint. God damn it. Um, yeah. A tutorial shouldn't have to take a literal leap of faith. Uh, But the world that is built is so gorgeous and well-made and it's just so fun to explore. And I can't stop turning over every stone that I've uh, been enjoying it and also getting mad at it. Uh, But it's the kind of mad that's like fun Yeah.
1: No. And I I think that a lot of like the the combat difficulty and like frustrations uh, from, you know, like, oh, this is a hard boss and I have to like spend a lot of time learning his patterns to beat him. uh, That's all like fun and cool and good design. I think there are a lot of things that are frustrating about these games that are just actively bad design that and don't like benefit the game endemic to Souls-like games. Yeah, I think that like when you talk to people who have been you know fans of that franchise, like diehard players for uh, years and multiple titles, uh, I don't think they realize how because they're like so in it, they don't really realize like how needlessly opaque so many of these systems are to the point that it's like no, that's like a selling point. You have to like unravel the lore. And it's like man, I don't want to have to consult a message board to know, like, what this menu function means.
0: And it feels very different to me versus, like, taking another game that I know is very difficult, like Metroid and going on to message boards uh, to, you know, talk to other people about how to, like, get over certain things because it's also, like, a different era of gaming and, like, I feel like that is so... I enjoy it, but I enjoy the same way I enjoyed, like looking for VHSs of hard to find uh right, no and, like that I've streaming now yeah. I don't want to do that anymore
1: Well and like that that element of like collaboration I I do genuinely think is very cool and like I've I've enjoyed yeah. uh, seeing like uh you know my TikTok and Twitter feeds uh full of like Elden Ring players being like yo I discovered this weird cave that does a strange thing what's up with it and people like kind of piecing it together that's I a love very that fun. stuff for the I, extra not the
0: fundamentals
1: yeah no exactly I think when it's just like a core uh, gameplay thing that's just like how does this basic gameplay function work and what does this button do I don't think that you should have to like consult outside sources for that i think that is bad design
0: and like i'm uh, never one to be like cool when difficult because i do i enjoy like yeah yeah. i enjoy difficulty because it really does feel good like was a <laughs> there was a uh fort like fortress that i had been working on for like a while yeah, yeah. about two days actually um and I'd get so close, and then when i die, Elijah would just watch the color leave my face. Oh, it was rough. But when I finally got it, like, when I finally got it and then got another one that had also been, like, two-shotting me, I went full Def Jam.
1: I was... You were, like, running up and down the halls. It was great. I was
0: so excited. So no, it's, it's uh, those... Dizzying highs and it. crushing <laughs> lows.
1: Um, now I'm, like, tempted to... Uh, I, I've not been playing, and I've really just been enjoying watching you play it, but I've been tempted to... Uh, Try to make a like a kung fu guy. I want to make a guy who just fist fights and is I've been good playing at a it. samurai because yeah, I cool.
0: read that it was kind of the second best for somebody that was like relatively not new to it and, and and like new to like the soul's like structure as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, vagabond being like the easiest. Uh, but I like the slashy, I like slash slash. We, you know, we, I've been we having love such a, a good time with my katana. We love a
1: samurai in this house. Uh, also i'm gonna read some uh listener comments okay because uh you know why not why not read some comments huh
0: why
1: all right uh earlier i almost said earlier today turns out it was 9 p.m yesterday (laughs) so
0: times a flat circle
1: times a flat circle uh god side note the first season of true detective despite uh some of the uh, great like monologues and lines having been plagiarized wholesale from uh, you know a better writer. Uh, the first season of True Detective was so Rips. damn good. The second season was immediately so bad, and I don't know. Uh, I've I never heard good w- things about the third. Yeah, I know uh, Jeremy Saulnier or Saulnier uh, like. Came on and worked on it for a bit. And oh, so was, like, that's curious. right. Yeah. And then
0: you have Mahershala Ali as the lead, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And who's he's, like he's captivating enough that I'll watch him do anything. Like he could be Sonic now and I'd watch him as Sonic.
1: Yeah. Do you think he would go fast?
0: He's gotta. He's gotta. <laughs> All
1: right. So uh, yesterday at 9 p.m., uh, not earlier today, uh, I tweeted on at KickScreenPod uh asking for folks to drop some of their favorite cinematic jump scares. So we got a few of those. Oh yeah. Uh Ian McAndrew at A Story in the End. Uh we love you Ian McAndrew. How's it going? Hey, hope you're doing well.
0: I literally sorry. Ian just so you know because this is how much I love our listeners I have been finding ways to find conventions in Philadelphia for work to give me a reason oh, to be there. Yes. <laughs> you
1: got to do it.
0: This is how much I love you all.
1: Hell yeah. Uh, so Ian McAndrew writes, this sounds silly, but the first, ta- the first time I watched the original Leprechaun, me and my family thought, gee, this is silly. Then there was an, is he dead only for him to pop back up moment that made us all jump. And we were like, Okay, that was cool. <laughs> <And> <laughs> That's I, the whole
0: Leprechaun franchise, if I'm completely honest. Well, I
1: was going to say, this. Uh, well, this uh, may sound silly to uh, some listeners or perhaps even myself, a person who is not particularly frightened of the Leprechaun franchise. Uh, Vanessa, I imagine it doesn't sound especially silly to you.
0: <laughs> I would have thought it was terrifying the whole time, even if he was just like, I have gold and a rainbow. Like, I, I don't,
1: <laughs> Vanessa is actively afraid of leprechauns. Listen to It leprechaun is like a leprechaun episode. phobia.
0: I uh I don't I don't know what it is or if it's a thing similar to like clown phobia where you just can't like articulate what why you're that? so fucking chlorophobia col- col- or, cl- or Colourpho- yeah. Whatever the version is for leprechauns. I'm um, sure there's one, no. I am fucking I hate it. I hate it, dude. I got chased through one in a holidays themed haunted house. Where yeah. like every like you'd go through each room and it was a year and it was like really cool because like there's like the bloody Valentine's Day one and then Easter you're being chased by this like demented were rabbit but like the second I walked into the like St. Patrick's Day one I was like oh oh my god this is the literal I couldn't I couldn't have walked you're in, in... A maze
1: of nightmare leprechaun like yeah. I
0: couldn't have walked into it more because like I've been approached by like. Like the holographic, the hologram leprechaun at Ripley's. Sorry, I'm stuttering and my throat literally got dry. The hologram leprechaun at Ripley's like fucks me up. Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. That's just like a regular leprechaun leprechaun. and it's not real and it's a hologram. So the fact that I realized that I walked into my innocuous fear haunted house version. Right, and I was where it's there like
1: an actual leprechaun who will ch- I know not actual like leprechauns are real, but like a physical, tangible, a physical thing one. And it's like meant space. to be scary. Yeah.
0: And that there were like several. I legitimately was trying to find the exit and I just kept getting more and more into the haunted house. <laughs> I just I wanted to find the door. Part so of it is
1: still there to this day
0: um part of you never i would left. literally buy down on a cyanide capsule if i found out i was stuck in a st patrick's oh, themed haunted if it house was forever like
1: that creepypasta the no end house which was adapted to channel or season two of channel zero yeah, yeah. season two yeah that was no end house what if it was a, a no end house type situation but you woke up in the leprechaun haunted house every time cyanide yeah Every time. But you, you don't have cyanide. You're just stuck with whatever you have in the leprechaun house.
0: I legitimately think my voice changed when a leprechaun ripped through a wall after the lights turned on and then they flicked on and a dubstep bass drop started playing <laughs> and the lights started strobe flashing and a leprechaun came through a wall. And I think it was like set up like paper so that he would like rip through. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely like was not expecting it. Um and I screamed so hard I like shoved my date and just like arms back Naruto running. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been that scared by something in a haunted house in my entire life.
1: Damn. I hope that I hope that scare actor was like, "Yo, did you see that? I fucking I killed got her. her." I think She's he thought he dead killed me. Now.
0: <laughs> that I just run and died. Like that's, my heart just stopped. That's the goal,
1: right? Any scare actor you're, like, oh, like kind of hoping that you scare someone to death? I Would did have one promoted, as a child you that you thought think? he gave
0: me an asthma attack.
1: Oh, that's pretty good. Did he?
0: No, I was just crying. You already had an act. Oh. <laughs> What's the next question? Uh, <laughs> next, next listener
1: comment comes from uh, Kevin, all caps, exclamation point, good name, at uh, Kevin underscore U underscore 87, writes... The scene when the hook bursts out of the medicine cabinet in Candyman gets me every goddamn God, time. that's yes. a really good one. <laughs> that's that's an all timer for sure, and it's one that I don't always think of. Like I love that movie, and when, but when I'm thinking of like jump scares, uh, there, there's a few that my mind goes to of like, oh yeah, these are like the cinematic greats, and that's not one that I like consider to be part of that list. But
0: you're right, it is. No, it really it's is. I like always like kind of go like. Ah! like i like i never yeah. realize it and i make like a sound with no. it um i think that's maybe one of my favorite things about Candyman is uh jump scares and candy man aren't always like flashes but they're things that like linger after the terror yeah so I it's know. very much like it pays off on like there's something in the corner of your eye because there is
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh and finally uh chris at go go gojira Name. Uh, right I know great name
0: all of you have great names
1: uh rates best jump scare is still the defibrillator scene from the thing
0: and I agree <laughs> it's you just and I got to watch a bunch best. of people witness that for the first God, time that ruled yeah, and that will always be one of my most treasured memories in the world
1: same yeah seeing the thing with a sold out uh theater audience that bizarrely had largely not ever seen it before like 70 percent yeah fantastic i uh i would not have guessed previously and i don't know why this is that i always just assume that like if if i know about a thing that exists like a piece of media or art or whatever uh i just assume that like i was the last person to find out about it and so i would not have guessed that you could fill a theater with that many people who had not seen the thing I was like, no, most people worldwide have seen it by now, right?
0: Because there's no such thing as the perfect movie, but the perfect movie perfect is movie the thing. perfect
1: movie is John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, yeah, oh, Oh. we also... Sorry, I realized those were all the comments that I had pulled about the jump scares, but there was another comment that I wanted to read.
0: Seeing several people all scream in absolute terror when they didn't know something was going to like escalate so quickly are some of those moments in which... Uh, it makes me think of when I got jealous of your grandma because she got to see and hear audiences react to Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh, for the first I know, time. Oh, right. Like, I've I've had a few moments like that where I'm sitting in a theater and I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna be the thing. Like everyone in here, not like the thing, but like right, the right. thing everyone's talking about this year. Like yeah. everyone in here was like terrified or like had this huge moment, this like collective moment. It's why I understood when Nia DeCosta, when Candy, her Candyman was coming out, that she was like, I'm. There's certain things that a director makes for that communal reaction for the first time, even though it's not always going to happen. Everybody thinks about it, you know? No, for sure. And for me, that was when we all went to go see us, not us, um, get out for the first time. Mm -hmm. And the scene where the cop car rolls up and he's outside. And my entire theater at the same time, he hears all hold our breath. Yeah, like you hear people be like, oh, damn, like you hear people like have this moment and then Lil Rel Howery gets out of the car and my theater just loses their shit. And I think everyone had that when they went to go seek it out.
1: No, I know. I I remember uh, I was uh, living in Thailand at the time that that movie released. So I saw it at a theater in Bangkok. And, like, there was no crowd reaction during that scene, Uh, like, I think probably literally except for me, because I was the only, like, American in the audience. Uh,
0: And then he had to explain why.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so, like, the friends that I was there with uh, were, like, primarily Thai. And then uh, I think Max was there, a Swedish fighter uh but yeah i was like the only american there and I had to explain like why that was like frightening because like i visibly was like no and then they asked about it like why were you like freaking out i missed something and i'm like no you didn't miss it it's just that the cop would have been a bad guy in that scenario <laughs> um,
0: god but yeah those collective moments in movie theaters and especially when it's a horror movie like when everybody reacts to the thing at the same time yeah um are such lovely little moments i'm so lucky to experience there
1: is uh a polish film that i'm I'm gonna google real quick i believe it's called playground uh or something of that ilk yeah it was uh something that i saw at fantastic fest yeah playground it's uh 2016 polish film that is apparently streaming now on tubi um difficult difficult watch uh can't necessarily like you know, comfortably recommend it. It is not a fun movie to watch. Uh, but I guess I also maybe don't want to uh spoil the thing that happens because it is uh extremely effective. But We've had m-
0: those moments a few times on the show where yeah. we like find something that we like know is really graphic and hard, but like because this is such a podcast that like encourages empty level and trying for the first time, I never really want to make my picks something that is that, even though I personally enjoy it.
1: No, for sure. It's like stuff that I will watch, but like, uh, you know, one, I don't want to like, yeah, send somebody in blind to something that may not be like pleasant or comfortable for them. I'm not going to
0: make you watch Necromantics. Yeah.
1: And, and you know, two, I don't always necessarily like want to discuss it for an hour, but I will say like seeing Playground, it was like at a premiere at a film festival. So like the entire audience was going in with no information. Uh And boy, there is a moment where all of the air and light left that room, and then everyone walked out of the theater and just quietly shuffled around and was like, what, what do we do? What do we What do we say?
0: Was, what is, yeah. was a screening of Dancer in the Dark I went to. Oh God. Everyone just left either like crying or quiet. <sighs> um, no, we had that even with this episode where I actually had like a kind of perfect pick for your film. Um, Men under the Sun, but it's also widely known as like one of the first class three films, and I mean category three films, and that's like not something yeah. I should like let someone who is learning no. for the first time stumble into.
1: And I also like, I don't know, watching watching this movie and then that movie back to back would have not. Uh, that, yeah. It's not a fun experience. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good or fun. No, experience. there were like thematic and connections for <laughs> sure, but I was like, no. I'm gonna
0: get on a soapbox for a moment. All right. There are certain things that I love that barrier point entries are, like, willfully made much, like, more intense than they have to be for first timers. And it's usually done by, like, a lot of the dudes in it. I know, like, women are, ki- ki- like, guilty of this as well, but I'm, like, talking about, like, the majority of the space. Yeah. And um, for me, there are two things that I love, and it's, horror, like, horror and weed. Like, I can't oh, tell yeah. you how many women I know that are, like, the first time I smoked, I thought I hated weed because a dude was like, oh, you've never smoked weed before? Do this huge bong rip. Or, like, eat this huge edible.
1: And they freak the fuck out or, like, got really sick.
0: And then they freak out or get sick and they never do it again. They don't hate it. And then they meet me, smoke with me, and I'm like, what do you like? What makes you anxious? Like, are you somebody that's affected by caffeine? Like, I really like, like, what are you trying to, like, experience after this? Well, in that case, do this and wait, like, an hour and then try again. And, like, then they find out they like it. I've actually experienced that a lot with, like, women getting into horror. Like, they aren't comfortable with asking... Like other guys in their life, but they'll come to me and be like, if I like this, but I consider this too much, what's a good entry point for me? Yeah. And I know so many women that are like, I wanted to get into horror movies, and my boyfriend showed me Human Centipede, and he showed me Serbian film, (laughs) and he showed me all this shit. And that's the first time that they wanted to experience something. And that's such a shitty way to get somebody into something that you love.
1: No, I, I feel like it's just another side of like the gatekeeper coin you know that it's like willfully making something inaccessible knowing yourself that that was like probably not your first exposure to the thing Uh, but yeah doing it from this point of just like this is mine and I don't want you to have it so then you so I want to
0: scare you away from it yeah
1: and then of course you're you're able to be like oh well I tried to get them into it but they just they were they were too weak
0: so if you ever listen to this podcast and you wonder why me since I'm the one that's making most of the horror movie picks might not always pick something like as in tense as like some deep horror movie fans like it's because it's, w- there are many podcasts for that there are many many horror movie podcasts that will absolutely go down that road with you and also i would love to guest on them and talk about those things because i'm dying to but this isn't the space for that there are other yeah. spaces for it it's not this
1: yeah uh, and also, you know, we're we're curating a vibe. It's it's about uh, accessibility, but it's also uh, that you don't always want a double feature of super intense, uh, you know, three hours of, of hardcore shit. Sometimes uh, that that just you know, you, you that's gotta, too much to put with something yeah, else. Yeah, you got to think of the the rise and fall, the arc of the double feature. And
0: boy, did we think about it with this yeah. one? Yeah, uh, unless you're specifically me. I'm sorry if you leave open mouth crying, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's what happened to me when I put these two together yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in uh, a good way.
1: So the last, uh, last comment, because it segues in, uh, at Desiderium Rex, Joshua Messinger writes between the belt in this and the fire hose in Romeo must die. I'm convinced Jet Li is at his deadliest when wielding a rope dart. Josh, I had, I well, I shouldn't, contract it instinctively to Josh, you might go by your full name, Joshua. I was, I, I assume nicknames. Yeah, maybe J-Dog. Uh, but at Desiderium Rex, Joshua Messinger, I had the exact same thought uh, literally on this watch. Like, I've seen the movie so many times, and I think the, the difference is that between this viewing and the last, I uh, had an experience of falling down the rabbit hole of rope dart and meteor hammered TikTok, and watched a lot of Oh, I watched of, you go down this Yeah, I just watched a lot of videos of martial arts, uh, martial artists, uh, and practitioners of, like, specifically those disciplines who are, like, very good at meteor hammer and rope dart. Uh, and, like, watched them sparring against, uh, you know, like, kendo guys or, you know, dudes with, a, like, a spear or a staff or whatever. Uh, and was just, like, shocked at how uh, hard to deal with it looked. And I'm like, I, I know that you know there's a lot of cons but it looks way more practical than I used to give it credit for and so it was a thing that like watching it I was like actually that's pretty sick and now uh, watching this again I thought damn I bet Jet Li is incredible with a rope dart so uh, yeah same same thought and that segues well into my pick for this week in the kicking section of this week's kicking and screaming I have chosen Fist of Legend.
0: Hell yeah!
1: Hell yeah! This is this is one that I've been threatening to pick uh, for like beginning. for a year at least, uh, because it uh, it's one of the first ones you think of from for me personally. Uh, Vanessa, had you had you seen it prior to this? Yep. No. What do you, what do you think? What, what do you thought? I loved
0: see? this. It ribs. It might right? be my favorite Jet Li movie now.
1: I think it's yeah. I think that's fair.
0: I mean, it was the one before this. <laughs> fucker uh, what i'm being honest <laughs> we're
1: fighting now
0: i'm no, being I, honest i love because you one, know what jet Li i like i like jet lee Li in stupid sunglasses and a leather jacket because that's the closest thing you can get to actual jet lee yeah. because he likes parkour and he likes that shit you he like, likes the shit that shreds
1: you like you, you like jet lee Li when he's uh when Indulgent. he's a bad boy heartthrob yes. listening to new metal yes Alright, I'm just saying I know that you have also seen Once Upon a Time in China one and two. I think Dragon I think you maybe saw Fong Sayuk, you saw Red Dragon. Yep. Uh I'm just I I personally know that you've seen better Jet Li movies. Having said that, Fist of Legend is almost like just the empirical best. I think you can argue that one of the Once Upon a Time in China films, or potentially Fearless, which we will get to someday. Uh, but Fist I have actually is seen Fearless. I know. I'm excited for us to watch it, uh, especially now that you've seen this, because uh, controversial hot take. I might be. I'm. I might be changing my stance uh, that uh, I think Fearless. Fearless might. Have aged better than Fist of Legend. I think that Fearless might now be the better Jet Li film. Is it Lee because film. there's
0: more undercranking than you remembered being?
1: There's there's a lot more undercranking than I remember, uh, and there's uh, well, let's let's just get into it.
0: We are. Uh, we're in it.
1: So Fist of Legend. It's uh, ostensibly a a sort of uh, it's a spiritual remake, if not just a direct remake, of a uh, classic uh, Bruce Lee Fist of Fury. Uh, and is the story of chen zen
0: who similar is to like a folk hero like a Wang Fei hung thing, yeah, I wanna prove that I remember shit. you remember shit, <sighs> no one thinks that you don't you got nothing to prove, I babe. You've you're the martial arts guy, I just want to show that i'm learning you've, you you've
1: already done been learned, you know everything now I graduated that's right. you have your uh yellow belt, the belts only go up to yellow. <laughs> as high as they go in this in this metric, I'm sorry. Uh actually no, we don't even have belts. It's a cord like Capoeira. Uh but Fist of Legend is a Chen uh story. He's a folk hero. Uh he was the student of Huayanja, who uh is the subject of the later Jet Li film Fearless uh and was uh yeah a a big influential figure kind of in uh you know wushu and kung fu and martial arts uh and something that i i really like about this portrayal is that it folds a lot of uh like the chen zhen story into uh or or takes the chen zhen story and also uh folds some of like bruce lee uh like fight philosophy and like kind of like the jeet kune do uh philosophy towards martial arts and those systems uh into it which is uh, a fun a uh, very fun like kind of you know way to combine like the most famous portrayal of Zhen with the you know historical kind of folkloric figure uh and something that i love is every time that this character is portrayed now uh Bruce is like the the blueprint for it like Donnie Yen also did a Chen Zhen film uh called Legend of the Fist and in it he is just very much like he does the like what that you know kind of like the sounds that he does the little like ata and yells and shrieks and uh Definitely has like the nunchuck scene and stuff. Uh, and you I you notice
0: that in some Bruce things where they like get as vocal as Bruce would, yeah.
1: And they'll like definitely like mirror some of the choreo or like they'll like make sure that the they thumb nail to that the nose. thumb to the nose, the big sidekick. Uh, and I, I just kind of like that you know, this sort of modern, uh, I, I feel like you could almost call Bruce Lee a modern folk hero because just of the legacy and like legend. No, that he's he absolutely had. is. Yeah. Like you and, like, see
0: so many silhouettes and so many things that are clearly like Bruce. Like when somebody thinks martial arts guy, they think Bruce. Sorry, I was just having a moment because you know how we have a shirt um, that's essentially like Bruce Lee kicking Jason. Um, oh wait, no, it's Gordon. No, Lou. it's Gordon Liu. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways. The reason I just looked horrified is for a moment is because I thought, man, I love kicking and screaming. I love doing this show. I love the shirt that I have. I wish I could wear it to work. I wish I could wear it on camera. I wish I knew who can give and grant permission. And the answer to both is me.
1: Yeah. Did you not? You thought you couldn't wear it because I've it taken was it like off
0: several times thinking I couldn't wear it on air. Because, because you because thought it was like a brand that you didn't have permission to from wear the on camera. To the person. And the brand is me and the person is me.
1: Uh well I mean I I believe I, w- I would have uh at least a 40% uh saying I that. I meant whose signature think, I'd need. I think you have veto power but I do get a vote so I think we do have to vote on it as the kicking and screaming board of directors. <sighs> Can like I wear our
0: shirt on air? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. Go on, Bruce Lee's a folk hero. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. Just uh, in terms of, you know, uh, modern contributions to uh, martial arts, martial arts cinema, uh, you know, and I I think also being uh, such a notable like Asian American leading man at the time that he was and, you know, being allowed to be like a badass and a sex symbol and like just all of the undeniably like charismatic and cool things that he was. Uh, i I kind of love that like this the the legacy of this uh historical figure who you know himself uh was this uh you know kind of uh undeniable yeah undeniable uh figure who basically yeah stood up against you know the these uh oppressive forces and was just kind of like too fucking rad to be silenced <laughs> just too too good at what he did to you know be uh be written off uh i i love that like those two legacies intersected in a way that like makes them uh intertwined forever now culturally that like you can't portray chen zen without also portraying bruce lee to some extent uh but fist of legend it's a story about chen Zhen. uh basically jet Li uh plays a a high school I believe he's in high school at the time right he's like he's he's young he's in school is it everyone feels a little aged up but I think they're they're meant to be in high school outside
0: of high school or like early college they wear a uniform
1: yeah I would say like he feels like a college age but they're wearing uniforms that feel like high school uh, but he plays a student who is uh, from, from China, uh, but at the beginning of the film studying abroad in Japan to uh, learn you know, about their martial arts and uh, Japanese technology and such. Uh, he comes back home when his master, Huyang uh dies in a duel with a, with a Japanese fighter. Uh, he immediately goes and challenges the Japanese fighter uh, because he, he's horrified to think that his master could have lost. Uh, and upon uh dueling the the Japanese fighter, he realizes immediately that there's no way that his master would have lost to him, uh so he then suspects foul play because this dude's weak as shit uh and he he truly is jet uh or rather uh just absolutely wrecks him and like I think several of his students on the way in
0: and like that's also how he recognizes that something is amiss
1: yeah he's he's just like this dude is not very good at fighting compared to me and i know that my master was better uh so he demands that the body be dug up uh after it is exhumed they uh after the the corpse is dug up they test him for uh, an
0: on-the-site autopsy not unlike a covid test
1: yeah wh- what's amazing is that chen zen performs the
0: autopsy <laughs> one-handed <laughs> yeah I, I always forget about this that the one-handed quick simple autopsy and he brings a doctor and the
1: doctor's like i'm not a coroner or pathologist this is not what i do but also i mean does the doctor like do i mean i guess he probably does surgery but he was just like gross it's smelly and dead and yeah he somehow didn't have the stomach for it but i feel like as a doctor you should like if i i
0: don't know real different when you're just like poking around and nothing's it feels like walking through a neighborhood where no one's home, but you've, like, known it.
1: Oh. You think it was just, like, eerie? You think it was like, this feels weird?
0: <laughs> mm, yeah. Like walking around a neighborhood.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Walking around a neighborhood. It's eerie. Uh No, I don't know. I knew somebody who went to med school, and they would, like, text me uh, every, like, weird, gross thing that they would learn. Yes, they would. Yeah. And they'd be like, hey. Today I found out there's this worm that can live inside humans' eyes. Here's a photo of an eye that's filled with worms. You
0: showed me a photo. Not of that. It was a different thing. And then I told you that I never wanted to see another photo again.
1: Yeah. They were all pretty good. Uh, But I'm just saying, it feels like if you had to have that education, you should have the stomach to dissect a body. I digress. Chen Zen has to perform the autopsy. He cuts the liver out. They determine that his master was poisoned. Uh, Eventually it is uh, discovered that this is part of a, uh, a conspiracy by uh, perpetrated by one like particular Japanese general uh, General Fujita the killing machine uh, who is a super deadly evil nationalistic imperialist dude whose uh, goal is essentially to uh, you know crush uh, the morale of these uh, Chinese martial artists while also instigating conflict between uh, the chinese uh and japanese you know uh, militaries and uh, governments and uh people at large uh he is essentially trying to you know generate uh sentiment and pretext for a war uh so that he can uh, justify the evil shit that he and presumably his bosses are uh, trying to do and uh something that i do Like about Fist of Legend that uh, does like still you know kind of kind of hold up today uh, better than more recent more jingoistic mainland Chinese films like the later uh, Ip Man films and uh, anything that like Wu Jing has done recently is that it feels less like uh, it feels less like the thesis is like China is great and unbeatable and Chinese martial arts are great and unbeatable and other nations are like evil, which is sometimes the moral.
0: But Uh, more nationalism is a poison.
1: Yeah, because there are like they they take effort to show uh, like Japanese martial artists and Japanese like uh, ambassadors who do and not want this
0: characters in his life like his wife
1: yeah yeah and the fact that like there is like bigotry on both sides and there's like nationalism and xenophobia on both sides but that like Chen Zen is kind of right in the middle of it and he's like no like i don't think that the japanese are evil i i think that this dude is uh and i i do think that it gives a more like nuanced and balanced depiction than mm-hmm. a lot of more recent films do uh but yeah he has to uh, fight with uh, some some uh, imperialist guys uh, he has to they, they do he does go to
0: court for being framed
1: he goes to court for being framed uh, for for having murdered uh, the dude that uh, fought his master uh, the entire trial is a mockery he has uh, yeah, a, a few a few like kind of small fry fights and then there are two fights in particular that I want to talk about. Because uh, they're phenomenal. Because they're phenomenal. Uh, every fight in there is great, but the, the two highlights: he fights uh, the uncle of his uh, his partner, uh, who is considered like the top ranked martial artist in Japan at the time, and General Fujita wants him to go, uh, you know, challenge Chen Zen and also the son of Fayaunja, who is now like the master at their their school. Uh, he, General Fujita wants him to go, you know, fight these guys and beat them up, uh, embarrass them, but he's not really on board with the political agenda and very much kind of says like, I fight who I want on my own terms, uh, which, sorry, Vanessa got scratched by the cat.
0: I think it's scratched by the cat. She bit the top of my foot. She bit your foot. She just walked up to me and bit me on the foot. Like it was a little ham sandwich. This is the most disruptive she's ever been for this show. I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: she is not happy. Um, What's your deal, Kyle?
0: What's your deal? All right, the fights, the two fights.
1: Sorry, I was trying to get her to meow into the microphone. Uh, but yeah, something that I, I mean, this, this character rules, uh, he is also played by, I should have had the actor's name up because I always forget it, but it's uh, the, the same actor who plays the uh, kind of like final boss in Heroes of the East. Uh,
0: That's where I recognized him from. Yeah.
1: It's, you know, uh, you know, obviously a, a, a bit older, uh, different, different hairstyle. He lost the, the sick ass mane that he was rocking in Heroes of the East. Uh, but yeah, an incredible screen fighter, super charismatic and rad uh and between these two like heroes of the east last fight and this one has like two of you know the best fights ever uh but yeah he he challenges uh Zen. and something that i love about him is that he is very clearly portrayed as like a character that is so good at fighting that he he doesn't have to listen to anyone that like general fujita is giving him orders and he's like i don't work for you and we we see another guy kind of like another martial artist no less like go against general Fujita and he gets lifted in the air and then gets his back broken, like pro wrestling style. But not style. this dude.
0: And even no. when he's fighting Shenzhen, he like takes great effort and is stopping the fight several times just because he can. Yeah. No. Being like, Hold on. I got to like yawn.
1: Yeah. It feels very much like this dude is good enough at fighting in a time and place in history when being good enough at fighting means that there are no rules for you. You get to just do what you want, uh, which fucking rips. But he, uh, yeah, has a, has a dual Chenzen, uh, which I, the last fight with Fujita is incredible and it's like a 15 minute showstopper of a final fight. This one might be my favorite fight in the movie. Yeah. It's, it's so fucking good. And one of, one of my favorite things that a fight scene can do, and this movie does it with both of these fights is, uh have a fight scene that has clearly defined like phases, almost like a video game boss, you know, where it's like the, and uh, an easy way to do this is to have like, it starts as a shootout. They run out of ammo. Then it's a knife fight. They both get disarmed. Then it's a fist fight or whatever to, you know, break it up with like different weapons or to have like the environment change, you know? And you see that in a lot of like Jackie stuff where it's like, he'll be fighting kind of through a location so that, you know, you have different, sort of like visual phases that are defined by like what props are available to him in that area. Uh, and this one I love because they, they break it up with uh, the, the initial fighting uh, in which Chen Zen is doing kind of uh, an unorthodox for the time uh, style that looks a lot closer to like Jeet Kune Do or even like modern kickboxing uh, than it does to any like traditional Chinese martial art. And the, uh, you know, uh, karate practitioner uh, kind of imitates his style and they both kind of start fighting in this, uh, yeah, more like kickboxing style. And it even includes like clinching and knees and elbows and stuff, which is great. But then uh, you you have a beat about halfway through where the wind is in the Japanese fighter's eyes and he uh, is clearly like at a disadvantage because of, you know, just the elements. Zen being super honorable uh whips out a blindfold and something that i love is that they both have a blindfold handy they both just like <laughs> immediately had it prepped uh but then they uh have their their blindfold fight at which point the choreo like changes and becomes much more uh, grappling heavy because you know if you're if you can't see your opponent you have to you know have some way to keep track of them and so I, I love that it kind of, like, gets broken up into these stages. A lot of the grappling stuff is super fun. It has a style of choreo that, uh, I don't know. I still, like, you You can see what was influenced by this. Like, Yeonwo Ping's choreo on Fist of Legend, you you can almost see, like, th- where we get things like, you know, John Wick now, but obviously, like, The Matrix was, you know, Yeonwo Ping, like, building off of what was established here in terms of, like, blending traditional Kung Fu choreography with like modern fighting techniques. Uh, but there, it has this rhythm of like each movement being sort of a logical response to the previous movement, but in this very, um, I don't know, like unexpected and interesting way where like someone starts to be thrown and that throw becomes like a somersault that turns into a kick and that kick is intercepted that, you know, turns into something else And it just it it gives the fights this really interesting rhythm where each movement builds on the previous as opposed to like an exchange of blows or like I'm going to do my move and then you do your move or, you know, even just like a simple block or a dodge. It's like using the movement of, you know, having been punched to spin yourself around and throw a hook kick and then like catching that hook kick to throw the guy. And it it is just like uh, such a such a cool rhythm that is very uh, I think difficult to imitate because it almost requires you to like l- look at humans as like action figures, you know, it's, it's less, it's
0: more about their configurations and what their actions are going to be.
1: Yeah. And it's something that I, I think that even like learning how to fight makes you worse at because you're like, well, I wouldn't do that. I would just do this thing. Uh, but it's something that, yeah, Yuan ping is such a master of, and it really shines in both this fight and the the Fujita fight. Uh, but God, yeah, that one, uh, just, I don't know. And I, I change my opinion every time, but for right now, I think that's, that's my favorite of the fights in the film. I
0: mean, it was absolutely my favorite as well. And, uh, while there is like satisfaction to the final fight, it doesn't quite also have that like pivotal narrative moment that that fight quite has in terms of like what it means for like what kind of person he's going to be yeah um, true like
1: he's he's a fully developed guy by the time he fights yeah Fujita. yeah
0: like he's already like become him and yeah. i think that's it's you tend to see that happen so much later for a fighter and it's kind of incredible that you watch a loo- uh, you watch a dude like win the battle against himself before yeah. he gets to that point where it's like this is nothing this is just the next step in my yeah. life um and then I really do love that at the end of that final fight, when he like steps forward and takes the blame, the movie takes care and being like, and then he faked his death. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> it needs you to like have that.
1: Yeah. No, it's like you, you, as the audience, you like want that happy ending because the movie is not, you know, despite the subject matter, it's not super heavy. It's a very like yeah. fun and breezy kick-ass kind of movie. Uh, Which is
0: kind of why in hindsight, I think this is, Perfect to be paired with the other thing, but maybe in order, you should go my pick elijah's pick
1: oh for sure yeah i I think you you should definitely watch the the other film first and then end on the high note of, of it's easy to go down up then up down yeah <laughs> uh i I do want to say though before we uh before we get to your pick uh just something that uh I thought was like kind of fascinating watching this again because i I went through a phase uh with this film where i like I think it was when the Dragon Dynasty Blu-ray came out because uh, I had, like loved the movie so much for so many years, and then owned it on Blu-ray. Uh, I just like rewatched it so many times in such a short amount of time that I hadn't felt a need to revisit it in a while because uh, it's like yeah, I watched it you know twelve times in a year, uh, and so this is my first time seeing it in a bit, and it is wild to me in the intervening years how much. Uh fight choreography has changed, how many like incredible modern fight scenes we've had, you know, obviously since Fist of Legend came out, but even since the last time I was like watching it over and over. Uh because yeah, like the, the Fujita fight had stood for years in my mind as like and and it still does as as one of the best like final fights in a movie, because, you know, it's this like very protracted like very long drawn out fucking slobber knocker of a fight that does itself go through like multiple phases and you have like indoor and outdoor you have where he's fighting with one arm after he like pops his shoulder back in you have a bit of like weapons at the end uh it's an incredible fight with some absolutely like top-notch stunning choreo and it's such a like brutal gorgeous exhausting thing uh but it really did like kind of make me appreciate uh, in a way that I haven't a while, like, it made me take stock of how good we have it as, like, martial arts movie fans yeah. and, like, fans of fight scenes. Uh, because there was, you know, a, a stretch there where I feel like through kind of, like, late 90s to, like, early to mid 2000s where it felt like we weren't getting a lot of great fight scenes. Yeah. And... Now, just the fact that it's like, yeah, that's like Fujita is absolutely one of the best final fight scenes. We also have like the final fights from like The Raid One and Two. Kaya exists as a streaming network. Yeah, and like you know we've even like we've had Flashpoint and you know other like Donnie Yen stuff. We've had some incredible lengthy one-on-one fight scenes. Michael Jai White. Yeah, yeah, even like some like to video like uh, Falcon Rising stuff. Um I we, uh, mm, I was gonna mention uh, a director video star that we maybe are a little disappointed in right now. Makes our so yeah. hearts hurt. So Michael yeah. Jai White. Yeah, Michael Jai White's is great. Uh, but yeah, we've had so many like incredible pieces of choreo in the intervening years that like, well, it still holds up and is fantastic. The fact that it's not like untouchable in the way that it was for a really long time, uh, pretty sweet. Like yeah. pretty fucking cool that we can now. pull all of these other reference points uh and so yeah i i love fist of legend and it still stands as like an all-time high point but it was also like interesting to revisit now and realize like oh we're making some progress in terms of sick ass fight scenes hell yeah so uh vanessa what did what did you pick to pair with fist of legend
0: well For uh, Fist of Legend, a movie about a uh, folk hero that people talk about in trying times, Um, and just those like uh, trying times in general, uh, I have chosen La Llorona. Not to be confused with any of the movies you're thinking of right now. It's not that shitty schlocky one. It's not the The Conjuring one. It's not any of the ones you're thinking of. Is it
1: the one with the bathtub? Where the scene one. in the trailer is the bathtub and they pull the hair underwater? Yep, it's not any is of those. That, it's not that one.
0: It's uh, It's one directed by Jairo Bustamante. It is filmed in Guatemala. It's about uh, Guatemalan events. Um, even though this is not like a direct, like this is not like the general in the situation but it is like a general but it's it is something that has happened the movie was it they uh consulted Rigoberta Menchú which is a Guatemalan indigenous woman that uh is basically an incredible political figure in our country um and uh it is it is made in Guatemala um which a lot of la llorona stories kind of take like just a general like Latin centric story because it's one that you hear in every, right. every country in Latin America thinks they're the ones that like came up with it. And it's I, one where like, who the fuck knows?
1: I always just assumed that it was I think Mexican Puerto Rico. because really see oh, like see. everybody well, thinks it's yeah, different like, origin. I just, you know, grew up in a Mexican household uh, hearing about La Llorona. So I assume that's what it was, but yeah.
0: exactly. And so everybody thinks it's either them or someone else, but uh it's it's a story that's been told a bunch of times and usually when it's told it's of this woman who like in most of the scenarios like drowned her own children and then did it for like a lover and then came out to look for someone Jaira Bustamante took a folk tale that is like our boogeyman and essentially used it to tell a real story both about stuff that happened in Guatemala and just like even now what it's like just being a woman in Guatemala um and uh what up guys it's I'm trying not to let this be crying episode it's 3. Be a crying episode. Um, m- it might not be because I don't know crying. if I have liquid anymore. That's It might just be I have cried about this, this movie point. like yeah. a lot in the last 24 hours cuz I think every time I watch it like first I watched it like a horror movie and then I watched it like I was watching a horror movie that I liked and then the third time I watched it as like like first generation american but like a a Guatemalan woman. Right. Um and that was like my go to the third time around and it like <laughs> this movie had like more of an effect on me than it's ever had from that perspective and like seeing my Guatemalan aunts again and like being so close to home again and like uh just being in an entirely different place in my life um that it it just hit completely different for me. Uh and I can't imagine other people of different countries watching a horror movie that's like not just like kind of yours like you know being like chinese and watching a thai horror movie or being like from spain and watching like a mexican horror movie like something that's like such a direct one-to-one thing that you like know people from those events and then seeing it like play out yeah Um,
1: because it's not it's not just uh like oh there's some like overlap in culture or like oh i like can see myself to some degree in this or like oh yeah this is like a thing that you know like maybe americans wouldn't be familiar with but i am it's a much kind of deeper rooted it's really close
0: to home yeah
1: it's it's not just like a like a oh representation kind of thing it's like oh these are horrors that are more visceral because it's like generational trauma from yeah
0: and like in wartime and especially anybody that's ever like there are like actual studies when it comes to like the psychology of essentially like grief being in your DNA when it's like a people of genocide. Right. Right. Um, and uh, this movie is so much that it's so much this like generational grief, but also this sense of like, I don't even necessarily want revenge. I just want you to feel what you made me feel that yeah, like yeah. there's in terms of like discussions of war in a uh, fist of legend, it's, it's very much just like we will no longer like, tolerate being put upon it's like it's like a rising up kind of thing and in this situation there was no shenzhen there's no wang vei hung there was yeah no the thing happened everyone's already dead and so it's very much like the stories that we have to tell each other to make it okay after
1: yeah to like
0: deal with it it's it's very much like the aftermath of like what if there was no hero from the first movie in which like you need your hero to be like supernatural, like the memories of the people that can no longer get that like sense of revenge or justice. Um, So I love this movie.
1: Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to like break down the the plot a bit?
0: Yeah. So uh, the plot is that general Monteverde uh, again, like a like serialization version of, many men that existed during this time, um, is on trial for war crimes for the general for the uh, genocide of indigenous people in the uh, central mountains of Guatemala, which is why incredible experience for me to listen to people specifically like our indigenous people speaking, which is, uh, our like native tongue that only about 400,000 people left speak. Yeah, um, yeah. and that's not even like just in Guatemala that's just like, like people worldwide. that yeah. worldwide that speak that language um, so hearing it like spoken in a film is always just like an experience for me um, and it's a bunch of indigenous women in their native tongue testifying of these war crimes that happened and the general's family is very clearly like isolated around this man's crimes and benefit from it but yeah. are also like torn apart by it
1: Yeah, and they also like clearly like have money and are like pretty you know well off presumably from you know the career he built off of uh war crimes and being a monstrous person
0: and it's kind of why the granddaughter needs to be there because it's like she started out a, she's going to start out a regular child the way the oldest daughter now the mother started out as a regular child but was like shaped by this thing yeah. and is wondering between how much was kept from her but also how much that she chose to look away from
1: yeah because you have the the daughter uh of of the general like yeah an an adult woman with a young daughter of her own uh who is very much like she she is like absolutely not you know like innocent in her uh handling or like her ba- and it's very much like, like oh, it's more like,
0: than her mother but it's also like there's a will for will for ignorance yeah
1: and it's you know it's very much like the the sins of the father type of thing where it's like yeah she didn't you know do these things herself and just was the child of this but also like clearly has benefited from you know what what the father had done and is aware of it and is just like ah yeah that's i don't agree with it <laughs>
0: cuz I mean, like even the way she talks to her daughter when her daughter is like did grandpa did so, do something bad that's like a moment in which she can like
1: yeah she get clarity to happen could say this was yeah this was awful and yeah he's not you know a, a man to emulate because sometimes you do need to say that with family
0: she makes a deliberate choice to brush it under the carpet which is yeah. like you you watch it dilute but like not by that much right even right. the way they speak to like the other indigenous housekeepers that are Wanting to leave and being like, well, think of us, think of all the stress we're going through when, God, like, yeah. they are of the people that were assassinated. They are also missing people.
1: Yeah, the the complete, like, lack of empathy shown by, uh, yeah, like, essentially two generations of them. And then you have the, the granddaughter who is young enough to just kind of be periphery to any of it and is...
0: I know there were some reviewers that were like, oh, there could have been more horror elements for me, but a lot of those, and I don't even think you necessarily need to see it as, like, a Guatemalan person, but a lot of the moments were just, like, the way they would talk about them. Yeah. uh, Like, in passing, like, you would just kind of feel ill, and, like, so much of it is also lit, like a Hammer or a universal horror movie. Like, yeah, it, it's yeah. like, really lit. like it's constantly yeah, and like it's black yeah like yeah. it's black and white basically but like and, you get these pops the of color
1: cinematography in it is phenomenal too just really beautiful uh visuals in yeah the film throughout
0: so like of course the director's lens is this is the horror yeah this is how regular people that walks walk amongst you like men talk yeah about an entire group of people that have been killed
1: no and i i think that like i I get the uh, you know mentality of like oh I expected more scary ghosts and haunted house and like stuff jumping out at me and you know gore and heads exploding or whatever because uh, you know I love all those things they're all great uh, so you know I get being like oh this was my expectation and it wasn't met but I don't think that it's at all fair to say that there's not enough horror in the film because you spend the entire movie trapped in a house with a fucking monster with a with you know a man who is just pure evil down to his fucking marrow and then like and the sounds of the protesters real. outside the way yeah, it's mixed to make yeah. you feel
0: a little bit like uh, yeah. confused and panicked super the whole time like, yeah
1: like aggressive and disorienting and yeah i mean the fact that like you're you know uh effectively like main character more or less is both someone who is Uh, nightmarish, uh, just monster of a thing, but also a very real person that, like, still exists and is living comfortably in many homes around the world right now. Because he's
0: tried guilty, and then, of course, something happens to annul it. And because of the way they are, like, protesting, although the fact that the protest was even able to go on is one of those where I know, like, Guatemalans have been able to, but, like, y'all, we've literally had reporters... uncover stuff about a president and then die literal days later like i I, part of me was as an audience from what i was given from the information that i was given i was terrified to be trapped in that house with like monstrous people as this like constant hum of noise and chaos is there all the time to where you also feel like i've been awake for years by it but like personally like from seeing a Guatemalan director say this to another Guatemalan person. Cause there were like several moments in which I was like, I see it. My terror was for the protesters. Like I was so scared of what was going to happen to them because of just like yeah. how historical response happens or like there's a moment in which the new housekeeper that arrives refers to one of the women as vos and it's a very like over way that like a lot of you know lower class Guatemalans get like criticized for talking in which you're supposed to use like tu, and she even looks at her like you're talking out of line that are yeah, like yeah. there that as as somebody that's like definitely the intended audience have these little moments
1: yeah they're
0: everywhere these like these these little things that depend on it's like the cop car scene in a different country like right right there are several moments in this in which i'm like i as a guatemalan know why that is fucking terrifying
1: well and i i think also saying that it you know lacks horror uh it it maybe you know depends on your definitions of of horror and i know uh i've i've talked about this before that i'm like Wildly in the other camp, that I think like most narratives are horror. I think that like Knocked could, Up is horror, yeah. Uh, I mean, Fist of Legend is horror. I, I think that like if you you know remove the triumphant music and like uh, you know you overlook the fact that the choreo is like super fun and stylized, the idea that you have this kid uh in a bloody 15 minute fist fight with a fucking imperialist uh military dude. Uh, you know, breaking his fucking bones against this, this guy and then still being met with a, with a firing squad because ultimately like you cannot fight the forces of imperialism and capitalism. Like the story of Chen Zen is absolutely a story of horror, despite, you know, the inspiration and the triumph and the martial arts. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I mentioned when we were watching it, the, the documentary, uh, the act of killing, which I consider a horror documentary. And I, I just yeah I don't know I feel like any portrayal of you know something like this and putting you in a room with that character for the duration of the film is absolutely horror Uh, but there's also overtly supernatural horror elements
0: there are there are several Um, so uh, several like everyone from like Mayan to Mestizo Guatemalans are protesting outside and their entire staff all but they're very like dedicated like essentially head servant leaves
1: who uh has been with the family since she was very young since she was
0: very young and the general doesn't do nice things usually so the implication is as in many cases that she was very likely the general's like illegitimate child yeah um which they immediately hire a new person and they hire a very pretty young woman which is also super common like my mom literally today was telling me how she's reading and posting she's a housekeeper but there's a posting for a housekeeper in guatemala that was uh looking for a uh, woman preferably of indigenous between 18 and 24 and send picture of body and that's Jesus it's 2022 and that's an ad in guatemala looking yeah. for a female housekeeper send a like of just on body. facebook Ugh. um and so obviously the general picks her cause he has like a th- thing for her. Cause that was also something that happened a lot in Guatemala where these men would do this, but they like were obviously attracted to Mayan women. Um, and uh, which is one
1: of the most like <sighs> fucked up, horrifying, evil dude psychologies uh, that I feel like you see constantly in all shades of like misogyny, uh, which is like, I consider myself vastly superior to you. Also, I'm wildly horny for you.
0: And immediately that gives you this, like, such a sense of dread for this woman. Yeah. Until there's very quickly revealed this air of mystery that lets you just be afraid for the, like, just afraid from a horror movie sense and not, like, afraid for her. When the way the movie shoots her and the way she carries herself and the way she's observed... I don't know if we have any Junji Ito fans, but she's basically Tomi. oh, she was <laughs> Tomie. Oh, uh, she's very Tomie. Just whipping dark hair and these this beautiful gaze, but like clear revenge in her yeah, eyes. Yeah,
1: she's she's gorgeous and haunting at all times. So you're always just a little bit afraid, but you're not quite sure why. Also, I think like if I'm trying to decide if I had watched this not knowing that the film was called La Hirona would I have immediately been like, oh, she's some kind of spooky ghost lady? Because I feel like I still would have. Like, obviously knowing that that's the title of the movie, this was my first time watching it, but as soon as that door opens and she's like, I'm the only housekeeper that arrived today, the others didn't show up. And you're like, oh, she's the Yorona But, like, if I didn't know that, I think I still would have been like, oh, she's something spooky. She's some kind it's of because even spirit. when she sees
0: quiet... And sheepish, she has such a control, like yeah. she's so unafraid everyone's afraid of this family, and she has zero fear of this family. Is, she is zero percent imitated by this family, and it's not intense she's just not afraid of them,
1: yeah, no, and that's that you're right that's a hundred percent what makes her seem so like ethereal and like not of this world, and also terrifying is that she is in a situation where she is absolutely like head to toe the 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 victim of this dude she is the person that like this dude is aggressive to and that like this guy has victimized that this guy has killed and perpetrated a genocide of but also like the secondary. killed her children and killed yeah her. and like just the, the spoiler second, right the the secondary layer of you know that he was uh you know uh, uh attracted and uh attracted to and like assaulted these these women as well uh you know it's like they're layers of Like reasons that she could or realistically, like logically should be frightened of this dude and scared to be in this house and then, you know, that's not even uh, accounting for like the escalating protests just outside the door that are always within earshot. It's a tense, scary situation and the fact that she is frequently like, not only not afraid but so clearly unafraid and unaffected by things, even like in comparison to the people around her that you're just like uh, she is she is terrifying <laughs> like
0: and like she's shot that way sometimes like that scene with the blow dryer where she like looks at him over her shoulder and like her hair is whipping around her face yeah. um like uh, getting right into it she immediately like takes a liking to the youngest daughter sarah and like starts teaching her how to hold her breath which like once you realize what the whole thing is setting up is like a terrifying act of benevolence yeah um And she's very, like, kind to her and, like, listens to her and, like, asks about her and uh, shares with her that she had two kids that passed away. Um, And uh, pretty much as soon as she survives, like, faucets start going off. Things start getting weird in the house. And, like, as somebody that, like, grew up with a story, you're like, good God, it's her. And you hear other people, like, referring to her and they're very much, like, not down to believe the story. Um, But through staying there the wife has a nightmare of uh her name is alma and this alma's like last moments every night until she's like getting conjunctivitis in her eyes and like pissing herself constantly and you know the general is (laughs) wandering around the house with a boner being found by his entire family and just they they're just disgusted and they hate him yeah um and you know they start seeing missing people just standing and staring at the house everything starts getting like increasingly more both like supernatural but also they like they can't look away anymore
1: yeah yeah they they can't they can't leave like right out the front door they would be you know uh probably attacked possibly killed by this mob uh but absolutely are forced to confront you know what what he has done uh but yeah just the fact that their home becomes a prison in which they are gradually tortured and i think that that probably is where you know some of this breakdown of like oh it's not it it doesn't have enough horror because we have so many films in which like a person is trapped in a single location and there's a descent into madness and that usually like pushes real far you know it's usually like a lot of really like grotesque and mm-hmm. nightmare stuff by the end uh but i do appreciate that it's like just enough that it's like oh this is a supernatural curse but it's not the kind of thing that, like, it doesn't just jam the gas pedal where it's like, oh, all of my teeth fell out and the cat is shooting, you know, blood out of its mouth at me or whatever. It's not immediate haunted house over the top. Like, I'm insane now with horror. It's a gradual enough escalation that it's just like, oh, I like, you have. I don't know how to express this. Like, I don't know how to articulate. It feels like there is a enough time for everyone in this house to learn to feel bad it's not it doesn't hit them so hard and so fast that they would just be like in shock it's like oh no you had to sit with that you had to gradually suffer in a way that like made the final you know days or weeks of your life uh almost make up for a lot of the bad
0: (laughs) and like you don't even know if they necessarily learned from it right but like the (laughs) the moment when you realize who she is and what she's come to do is one of my favorite oh shit moments especially if like anyone has familiarity with the story because like completely removed it's still scary but when you know it you're like fuck um and it's when you see the silhouette of the children standing outside like you don't see their faces you just see the children and they're like how do they get in here and they realize that they can't find alma and, you know, Alma's been teaching her how to, like, hold her breath all this time. And, oh, right, the youngest daughter is now bleeding because the fucking grandpa keeps firing at anything that he sees. And Alma yeah. shoots the granddaughter. Well, and, so,
1: and Alma definitely, like, Like, uh, she does created, get shot, but
0: not, like, she gets grazed. Well, and
1: she, like, created the situation uh, yeah. where she, like, kind of, yeah, lured him out there. And then had her, on, like, in the pool with an oxygen tank. And then, uh, yeah, kind of tricked the, the grandfather into shooting at her. Uh, so, yeah, the grandfather shoots his own granddaughter in the arm. And
0: she's fine.
1: But it makes his daughter hate him. She holds a gun to his Yeah, head. she points a gun at him and is like, get the fuck away from me.
0: And she hasn't said, I love you, too, the whole movie.
1: Yeah. No, and I, like, I love, uh, yeah, like, it, certainly the general does not, like, learn any kind of lesson by the end of this. There's no, you know, moral for him. And I don't imagine necessarily that his wife does either uh but they they learn to feel bad you know they they they're put through a specific ringer that's like even as a person without empathy who has always felt a sense of privilege and entitlement and superiority that's like even when a bad thing happens to you you might like shrug it off because everything else has been pretty good the fact that like by the end of this his family hates him he is a he is a disgusting wretch. Like the fact that he has absolutely nothing leading up to his final moments uh is is a joy. It is a gift.
0: Any other family would have been like but at least we have each other and they just fall apart yeah like yeah. his wife at one point just gets up and decks him in the face yeah she, she just can't, punches him yeah. just punches him because she and it's it's like played for like a second of comedy but then it's also just kind of upsetting yeah because like she's just so over him that she just strikes this old guy in the face and uh, but the moment i wanted to that i've been teeing up which was like specifically when you realize like what is happening that i really love is they're all gathered by the window and they realize that alma isn't around and you know they're like putting pieces together and like Asking questions of the daughter, like, you said she had two kids and they died. And, you know, even the maid earlier being like, how old are you? And, like, no one in her village really knows you. And so they ask her, like, what else did she say? And she's like, well, she said she's known Grandpa a very long time. Yeah, (laughs) And they're like, anything else? And she's like, she told me not to drown. And the second she said she told me not to drown, every time I have that moment, because you just know it is both a benevolence. Like she chose to be merciful on this one. Yeah. um, But B being like, but just know if that happens, you're in my domain now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I do, uh, I don't know. I I read it as, uh, you know, a, a bit of like the sadness of the character. That's like, like, hold your breath for as long as you can like learn to hold your breath because like there might be a day when you need to. And just, I don't know, like knowing the backstory of, you know, even just like the, the folklore version or whatever, just like knowing that it is, uh, at, at its core, like a woman who's, whose uh, initial tragedy hinged largely on like her children drowning, like meeting this kid and just being like, hold don't your breath, drown. kid. Don't drown. <laughs>
0: just don't drown, please. Yeah. And <laughs> immediately following driving his wife to choke her husband to death.
1: Yeah. And
0: something that I love
1: about that also is that, uh, strangling someone to death with your bare hands, uh, the, the way she's doing it, especially takes some time takes, you know, as long as a person can hold their breath. Uh, it's an oxygen choke as opposed to a blood choke. And so like it's a couple of minutes and then some time after that, when you would be, you know, unconscious, uh, And I love that during that entire period, no one else in that room does shit. They were calmly
0: sitting on the floor watching her do it. And
1: they're just like, well, this this is what needs to happen. They They knew he had to die. Yeah. They all understand the situation they're in. They realize, like, the only way any of us makes it out of here is if this this spirit takes its vengeance. And we're all fine with that. And I, I really love that. I love the coldness of that moment that, like... His, his you know, uh, daughter, the housekeeper that is probably also his daughter, both are just like, yep, she's going to kill
0: him. And that's, we're just going to hold the baby happen. and comfort her and uh, let this happen. Because yeah. even the wife, when it dawns on her what she did, she like touches him, checks his pulse and doesn't go, oh, I've killed my husband. She just kind of sits there. Yeah. Like, huh.
1: And it's like, that's that's what that deserves. That's what that man's legacy gets to be, is that the people who are closest to him in the world uh, just watched him die and did nothing to intervene.
0: Great movie. Great movie. Ending in a marimba version of a song that's existed before, uh, but very much for this movie. Um, I love it a whole lot. And uh, I love being Guatemalan despite everything that that entails, even if it means... Knowing that sometimes my DNA might be a little bit sad, because uh, sometimes it's really beautiful. But here it comes, here comes crying uh, episode three. Uh. Um, just after this third watch, it literally made me call my mom and uh, thank her for walking here, because uh, she came here on foot. Um, because my my brother and sister and me and. Even my little brother would not at all have anything close to the life that we have. Specifically me and my sister. Because, like, my aunts are still having a real hard time over there. Things... It is very hard to be a woman over there. Even my grandmother, who had, like, an incredible marriage to an incredible guy. She, like... (laughs) Because of a law, still needs to be interviewed to get my grandpa's pension. Because if you weren't deemed a good enough wife, you don't get it.
1: Right. She needs like character witnesses. She needs character witnesses. She told you about it. She
0: needs character witnesses to get my grandfather's pension. And she's mourning.
1: Yeah. And she has to get the neighbors to go say like, no, no, she was a good good wife. wife. She cleaned, she she did
0: all the stuff and she had an amazing marriage. And like, it, it hurts when you're like, even when the stuff is really hard, you're like the lucky ones. Yeah. Um, And uh, I love being Guatemalan, and I love Guatemala, which is why I'm sad. But I also know that my sister and I would not be living the lives that we have now um, if my mom didn't make a very difficult choice. Uh, And watching this movie and seeing a Guatemalan mother do everything for her kids... Who knew it was a horror movie in which you'd have to, like, call your mom after? But here I am. Um, So, yeah. I'm just uh, very thankful that this exists. Yeah.
1: Same. And I'm glad that you got to have that experience with it. Um, Thank you. I'm glad that it made you call your mom and, you know. Make her watch a horror movie? Yeah.
0: I mean, I've done that several times since we watched it. (laughs) (laughs) Just, um... I think I want to get my sister to watch it too. But like this third watch was the one where I had to call her and be like, Hey, let's the three of us go back for a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's cool. And uh, yeah, thank you for uh, introducing it to me because I still hadn't watched it. And I'm grateful that I did.
0: What the hell do we call this double feature? Oh
1: boy. Uh, so it is, it is two films in which uh, an evil uh bloodthirsty general uh a, a racist military general uh who, who murders a lot of people is uh, eventually killed by a character from folklore uh a, a
0: folklore character what do we call that when uh, there's uh folk heroes cuz we've done modern folklore yeah it's uh folk pun some kind of folk pun Queer as folk uh <laughs> That's
1: just, that's just us. (laughs) Uh,
0: Foking awesome. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Is it because you can't think of anything better? It's because
1: I can't think of anything better. Uh, (laughs) So
0: foking cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's going to have to be
0: is oh, so fucking cool double feature. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. All
1: right, and what uh what are we getting for snacks here? What's our what's our, what's our concession?
0: Okay. Pick. I want to make something Chinese and Guatemalan. Oh, that is not hard actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> you oh, know why that's not I hard? I do. Uh <laughs> Tell I, I want to hear you say it the way people feel pride when somebody learns something from them.
1: No, because I I'm gonna be hazy on the details and be too self conscious about it, and I'm currently being recorded. Okay, <laughs> <So> the largest <laughs> minority
0: group that like isn't you know like Guatemalans or natives in Guatemala uh, for most of the time, and I don't know if it's still the case. were Chinese immigrants, um, or in some case because again Guatemalan ha- has. Guatemala's horrifying histories, uh, Chinese slaves that were working on the railroad, and so there's a lot of dishes that are uh, Chinese Guatemalan dishes, and one of them is sopame, which is uh, kind of like a ramen, but it's basically like uh, shrimp and sausage and chow mein noodles and Guatemalan vegetables and broth, and it is so fucking is good. So fucking and it's not even like a widely known Guatemalan dish; like oh, it's a very it's regional so one. Good. Um, but it's one that if I could share, I would. Yeah. Um, sopame.
1: So, of is rules. absolutely the, the snack pairing for these two.
0: I, I wish I could give you all a huge bowl of it. Elijah oh, so recently good. tried some made by my grandma. Yeah. Um,
1: it, I still think about it. It's my God. Phenomenal <laughs> bowl of food. Uh, just tastes like love.
0: So uh, whose pick is it next?
1: Uh, well, uh, that, that'd be yours, my love. What Tell
0: the mean? people where you can find uh,
1: all the stuff while I think about it real okay, quick. Okay, so while is thinking about what kind of movie she's going to she's gonna challenge me to pair with a martial arts film or possibly a horror film, I don't know. You never know. She sent some wild cards. Uh, while well she's thinking, you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Pod. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Elijah underscore pizza. You can uh, you can you can follow me. You can send send me some cool DMs, and we'll chat and be buds. Uh, if you have sent a message that I haven't replied to recently, recently I apologize. Uh, been, uh, been busy, real been real swamped, and uh, dealing with some just general executive dysfunction type stuff. Uh, but I'm gonna start replying to messages soon. So reach out, talk to me about cool fights, cool horror movies, whatever. Uh, Tell them where to find me. You can find my beautiful, incredible, talented, and amazing wife on Twitter. She is at NESS Guerrero and on Instagram where she is at SNES Guerrero. You can also catch her on twitch.tv slash G4 TV, where she produces vibe check and attack of the show presents the loop. Uh, So tune in for those programs. They are always radical. Uh what you got for me Vanessa you find anything <laughs> yet? We can also just
0: No, no, I got it. I got it. you can uh, also find me April 23rd at the Albatross Theater in uh Boston, Massachusetts for oh, Pax East. Right. I will be there moderating the G4 panel. Um also, I'm trying to get someone to let us all have a party together afterwards because that would be extremely fun. That would be great. Um right. but in addition to all of these things, for my next pick, I have chosen. You have to try not to get too happy now. Okay. Simmer down. All right. I have chosen. Well, I'm simmered. Basket case.
1: Gah! All right, I'm simmered down. <laughs> I was I was uh full full disclosure, total total earnestness i was like in my head trying to decide what was going to be like the funnier bit if i should because you were like simmer down don't get too excited i'm like should i like comically do a big energy reaction where i'm like oh i'm so excited and in my head i was like you know kind of tired it's been a long day i don't know if i have it in me to sell that so maybe i'll like lean really hard into you know like oh i'm simmered i'm simmered like you said and then genuinely couldn't contain myself when he said basket case. And instead just went, ah!
0: <laughs>
1: God damn, I love basket
0: case. I know you do, babe.
1: Belial uh, has, has always been like a brother to me. Remember I got you little
0: Belial pin for one of our mm-hmm. first Christmases together?
1: Yeah. I'm excited to watch it. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> I feel, like, I feel like this is gonna be a crying episode Which is fucking, <laughs> fucking With absurd With this little fucking abortion yeah, this, in a basket This gross little guy in a basket This little fucking freak show He's, oh, And it's gonna be a crying episode All right. Well,
0: client, Crying Episode 4 is on the horizon But uh, thank you for enjoying Crying Episode 3 And as always, we love you, bye love you, bye